NATO leaders are gathering in Lithuania ahead of a two-day summit, which begins tomorrow. The meeting in Vilnius will tackle a wide range of topics, but it's the discussions over Ukraine's future membership of NATO that will dominate. It's being reported that Washington and Berlin have agreed a form of words for the summit's concluding statement that does not fully endorse a pathway to Ukraine's NATO membership, nor does it talk about them joining once the war is over a point which is widely supported by Ukraine's staunchest allies. President Biden arrived in Vilnius a short time ago, ready to take part. We'll be looking this evening at what lies ahead, but let's go first to Vilnius and speak to Louis Vaughan-Jones, our colleague who is there. How much of a problem do you think the German and American view on Ukraine um, joining NATO, Louis, is going to be at the summit? Is it going to overhang all discussions? stressing the importance of a direct, concrete, focused commitment to joining, uh, to Ukraine joining NATO. There's an acceptance uh, on all sides. Of course, this won't happen whilst there is uh, a war going on, whilst there is conflict. But directly at the end of that, uh, Zelensky has been absolutely clear that is the commitment that he is looking for. And anything less than that is certainly uh, won't be well received in Kyiv. And this whole issue of membership will uh, focus so many minds here because it's not just Ukraine, which of course is the single uh, most important one, but also Sweden, which today we took Turkey's President Erdogan to really raise the stakes effectively, throwing in an extra demand uh, before he said he would open the door to Sweden joining NATO. Just very quickly to remind you, NATO works in a way that uh, anyone who is in the club can effectively block any new members from joining, and that is what is potentially happening here with Turkey and Sweden. And today Erdogan said, well, if you open the door to Turkey joining the EU, a totally separate organisation, then we can open the door uh, to Sweden joining NATO. And that has been uh, dismissed by some, saying completely uh, separate organisations. But there is a sense of frustration too. I spoke to a couple of uh, senior and powerful uh, US senators who are here in uh, Vilnius, and they both used the word disappointing uh, to describe this development today uh, from Erdogan. Let's take a listen. Um, it's disappointing to hear President Erdogan um, putting something else on his list, but Turkey's an important member of NATO. I'm hoping that President Erdogan is going to rethink um, his requests and that he's going to be able to negotiate with the other leaders at the summit um, an agreement because Sweden brings important capacity, particularly in the maritime arena and in the Arctic region, that we really need in NATO. Senator Tillis, your reaction, surprised? Uh, disappointed, uh, not surprised. But I, I think that what we have to look at are things that are relevant to Sweden's accession into NATO. They have an extraordinary military. They've got a great industrial base. They have naval capabilities that will be helpful in the Arctic and the Baltics. Uh, there's so many reasons to vote for their accession. Uh, I don't see how things not related to their 
application to NATO being mixed into the negotiations, and hopefully it'll work itself out. I also don't want to miss the opportunity to thank Turkey for uh, the partnership that we have with them, for the investment that they made in Afghanistan. There are many good things. You're a member of the NATO family. We just want to make the family bigger, and that's why we want Sweden uh, uh, in NATO as quickly as possible. A confirmation, Lewis, in the last few minutes that Joe Biden will meet with President Erdogan tomorrow to discuss Sweden. Can we talk about another issue, and that is weapons supply, because there's been a lot of reporting on the sidelines of this summit about the gulf between commitments that have been made on weapons and what has actually been delivered. And Joe Biden seemed to intimate today that, yes, there are shortages for Ukraine at the front line, but there are also shortages in the American arsenal as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And to add an extra layer of confusion here, Christian, of course, we're talking about two different supply mechanisms. You have individual countries uh, giving their various bits of equipment, which inevitably may then uh, lead to potential areas of shortfalls in their own supply. And then, of course, there's gifts by NATO uh, itself trying to come up with a more strategic approach in what it supplies to Ukraine. And it's really trying to bring these two uh, supply chains together that's part of the negotiations here and has been in place for a while, actually. Madrid, the last big summit here, outlined a broad strategic uh, goal and plan. And part of the discussions here will be seeing exactly how uh, progress is being made and uh, how things are progressing on that front. Um, you mentioned weapons, so we should probably uh, mention two uh, controversial issue of uh, cluster bombs will no doubt uh, be brought up. Uh, but just before I head back to you, Christian, just want to flag up to you that uh, these big screens behind me, you can see Jens Stoltenberg uh, giving a press conference. So we wait to hear uh, what he says. Lewis, thank you very much uh, for that. Well, en route to Lithuania, President Biden spent most of the day here in the UK, where he met the king for the first time since the coronation. The palace said the two men spoke about the environment, a topic on which they presumably find a lot of common ground. But the environment is not one of Rishi Sunak's five priorities. Instead, discussions at Downing Street this afternoon concentrated largely on Ukraine and China. Uh, there have been one or two disagreements of late, which we'll discuss uh, in the company of uh, Amanda Renteria, who is with us, former campaign director for Hillary Clinton, and Colonel Brendan Kearney is with us as well, the former chief of staff for the US Marine Corps. Thank you very much uh, for being with us. Amanda, um, uh, the, just before you landed here in London, CNN ran an article today saying saying that after Brexit, under Boris Johnson and Liz Truss, the UK had become just so needy. There wasn't the time to deal with the UK's issues within the White House. Do you sense from watching those pictures today at Downing Street that there is a, a better relationship developing? Absolutely. And, you know, Biden, when he shows up in the room, this is his gift. He has a really great relationship, a building rapport, and you've seen him over time one after another, when the relationship forms, he comes back again, works through it. Um, this trip has been quite the moment for Biden, not simply with relationships with allies, convincing those who might not be as close allies, but also the delegation that is coming from the United States there as well. There really is this sense of coordination and planning together um, that we haven't seen in a long time here in the States but really speaks well to what Biden does best, which is bring those things together, really build that kind of relationship. And that's true this morning as well.
Brendan uh, Kearney, the, we know that the UK wasn't in favour of sending the cluster bombs, neither was Germany, neither was Canada. There, there are deep splits over this uh, within NATO, but, but <laughs> the Europeans in particular can't be too critical of the United States because, uh, as Lewis was just setting out, there are such problems in supply of arms to the front line at the moment. Well, Christian, you're exactly right. And, uh, and again, what adds complexity to this, uh, this moral quandary that we all face is that it's a Ukrainian request to use these weapons on Ukrainian soil with the implications that in addition to Russian casualties, you're going to have the unintended consequences of Ukrainian casualties. Uh, that's the bad part about these little bomblets. They tend to be picked up by children. They tend to hang around for a while because they're so small. And uh, yeah, this is a tough one, but uh, I think all the countries respect the U.S. opinion. They're going to criticize it as they should, but uh, it's not going to change it. No, um, obviously uh, it's it's a, a two-day meeting uh, in Vilnius in Lithuania. Uh, 31 countries are going to be joining, uh, but the issue very much focused on Ukraine and Sweden. You're watching BBC News. Just saying goodbye to our world viewers, but I want to continue um, the conversation with Amanda Renteria and Brendan Kearney. Amanda, um, uh, this issue of Ukraine's membership um, clearly came out of the blue for a lot of the Allies over the weekend. The French president, who wasn't inclined to support it initially, now thinks that it's the only way to deter future Russian aggression. What do you think will be in the president's mind? Why has he decided that now is not the time? Well, he's had a long conversation and you can feel that the team itself has been working through what do we do now, not only around cluster munitions, but how do we bring different countries along to what our path is going forward? This is quite sensitive for Biden. He has talked a lot about how fast you can move in a moment like this. Not only are you hearing a coordinated effort by Biden's messaging, but he's also brought an entire delegation to bring them into the discussion, not simply what happens here, but really what implications that has going forward as a path gets set. But one piece to that communication from the very beginning from Biden and talking with uh, leaders here in the United States was that they would be very clear on the path forward, but be very sensitive that we don't push anything into a World War III. He has said that from the beginning, he has stayed with it. Now what you're beginning to see is a widening of the conversation so that every step from here is more coordinated and thoughtful as things become more intense. And the first big test of that was the decision to go forward with cluster munitions. Uh, some important breaking news uh, that I can maybe put to you, uh, Brendan Kearney. We just heard from AFP, and this is coming from the Secretary General Stoltenberg, um, NATO Secretary General, that President Erdogan has agreed to back Swedish uh, NATO accession to the alliance. Your reaction to that, what will they bring to the alliance? Why was it so important they got this over the line? Well, this, and that is good news. The, the Swedes have long possessed one of the most professional military militaries in, uh, in all of Europe, if not the world. Uh, they've got a great industrial base. They're extremely innovative when it comes to weapon systems, um, especially with high tech. So, and again, their access to the Arctic, that has been a real challenge for NATO here for a while with the noise that, uh, and the actions of Russia in the Arctic, and also the noise that the Chinese have started to make, uh, uh, questionably, as to why they'd be interested, but they want to get up there too. 
So the accession of Sweden into NATO is really a, a plus across many, many different spectrums uh, in terms of what they will bring to NATO. Uh, so I, it, that is nice. It's nice to be able to comment on, comment on some good news every once in a while, Christian. Amanda Renteria, um, did, the, did the White House have leverage over President Erdogan? I, I, I noticed that when the National Security Advisor uh, spoke um, on Friday, um, he was very clear that they, they, didn't, they couldn't give any guarantees that Sweden were going to be allowed in. So what has changed over the weekend? I think you had a lot of conversations behind the scenes, not simply from Jake and National Security Advisors and others, but you began to see a lot more conversations as a whole from other members of Congress who are sitting in powerful uh, seats as well. And so there was a full court press going on, not only publicly with the press be, uh, briefing, but also behind the scenes at all different levels. And this has been the ongoing conversation. So huge news um, for President Biden. He went in hoping this would happen, but the administration was very careful not to get ahead of the news and to make sure they walked carefully to get to the result that we have today, or we just heard about. Uh, to viewers who are joining us around the world, breaking news in the last few minutes, coming from Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, uh, the NATO Secretary General, that Sweden uh, will be uh, allowed to join NATO. President Erdogan has given his blessing to Sweden's accession. Of course, that was uh, the main sticking point, um, the veto that Turkey had over Sweden's accession bid. Uh, but it seems, according to uh, AFP in the last few minutes, that uh, President Erdogan has indicated to the American side that he will approve that accession uh, when they meet in the next two days. Let's go to Vilnius and speak to Lewis Vaughan-Jones, who is, is there. Uh, Lewis, uh, breaking news in the last few minutes. Why do you think uh, this has happened? What is it that has finally got it over the line? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Christian? Um, just as I was the, finishing up talking to you a few minutes ago, Jens Stoltenberg started speaking on the screens there, and we got a whisper to have something uh, to do with Sweden, and we got that formal uh, confirmation. Interesting uh, point of um, uh, detail here, which we do need to, uh, to reflect, is that President Erdogan can't make decision on his own. He now refers it on to Parliament. Parliament in Turkey has uh, to then pass it, but he has agreed to work with Parliament to make sure uh, that does happen. And it's interesting when you look at some of the uh, potential issues that Erdogan had previously raised, um, things like uh, the PKK, a group that uh, uh, he and many view as a, a terrorist organisation, saying that actually Sweden wasn't doing enough uh, to counter groups and individuals uh, like that. Uh, there's issues around things like F-16s, fighter jets, which it's want to resume purchasing uh, from the US. And then uh, just earlier on today, uh, with the issue of uh, joining the EU, a totally separate organisation was thrown up into the mix as well. So all those issues uh, feeding into the potential uh, delay in accession, but we don't know the details of what exactly has been resolved and how, but it does now seem that Sweden will go the way of Finland and join. And you remember that both those countries started this process at the same time. And I spoke to the uh, Finnish uh, foreign minister just a few hours ago, and she told me that she always viewed this very much as a joint process. It was Sweden and Finland had to join before the whole process was finished. And it seems now it looks like uh, we're nearly there.
It's worth making the point, it's pretty obvious, uh, Lewis, but the motive, um, President Putin's motive for going to war was to stop the advance of NATO towards Russia's borders. And since um, the expanded invasion began in February last year, Finland and now Sweden have joined. So in many ways it has backfired. Um, that's certainly uh, the view amongst so many here. And interestingly, I asked uh, the Finnish uh, foreign minister, who, by the way, has only been in her job three weeks, quite a baptism, quite a welcome to the job. But I asked her about specific, specifically having that uh, border, what is it, 800 miles or so, with uh, Russia and what difference it makes being part of NATO now. And interestingly, her answer was reflecting on really we're quite used to this you know we are a country that is well equipped uh, to monitoring and dealing with the threat and potential threat uh, from russia and suggesting that they therefore are very well placed to play a very key part and a very important role uh, militarily intelligence wise in NATO and always she emphasized that that role comes jointly with Sweden. 